in the not too distant future. Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to the last comic shop. People often ask me how the world ended, whether it was with a bang or with a whimper. And all I can say is, first they came for the drive-ins, and nobody said anything. Next, they took the arcades, and still, folks stayed silent. <laughs> then it was the video rental establishments, the record shops, and the toy stores. And still, they said nothing. By the time they got to the local comic book shops, there were no nerds left to say anything. Except for us! We're the last comic shop, raging against the dying of the light, sending our broadcasts back into the days of futures past in hopes that our comic book reviews might alter this cold, gray reality in which comic shops are nothing but a long-forgotten memory. So heed our words and go to your local comic shop. Pick up either of the book we'll be reviewing today or any number of countless comic book treasures before, before it's, it's too, too late. late. And I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson, and welcome back to another week of The Last Comic Shop. Thank you for tuning in to our broadcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Smith. So, Chad, we just spent about two minutes going over what The Last Comic Shop is. But for those folks that have just listened to our podcast for the first time, what is The Last Comic Shop? I bet they're still listening to it for the first time. <laughs> anyway, let me expose the gimmick a little bit here. See, the thing is, kids, is we like to talk about comic books. And so the thought process is even if everything else went away, we would still be hanging around talking about comic books. And so that's what this show is. And this is for those folks out there that maybe you don't have people locally that you talk comics with. Maybe you just want to hear some differing opinions. Maybe you just want to be around that comic aura. Especially the, the crazy world we're living in now where a lot of those things like conventions and those other outlets have been a little bit dissipated. We want to help fill that void. As well as expose you to some of the stuff that we think is really great. Like ultimately our goal is to bring people into the tent. You know, whether it's the movies that are getting people excited about comic book properties. We still want people to be able to find things that are accessible and neat and so, sure, we have a post-apocalyptic background setting. But really, it's, at the end of the day, it's all about comics and spreading the love and having fun with it. Absolutely. As, as I always say, we don't hide our strings here on The Last Comic Shop. You'll see them. And we hope that you'll enjoy this ride. Now, my other co-host, as always on this program, is J.A. Scott. J.A., Will we be doing more than just comics on this program, or are you about to burst somebody's bubble? 
Well, it will be mostly comics. Uh, the the bread and butter of this show is going to be comic books. Week in and week out, we're going to look at uh, one series or one topic comic book and discuss it. Uh, that being said, there will be some occasional one-offs that we just sprinkle in here and there when we feel the need. Should a uh, property arise, maybe a comic book-related movie or something in pop culture that's kind of comics-adjacent, but as... Chad said, we want to talk comic books. We want people to come into the tents. And uh, we're also all about reading. Absolutely. Because where would comic books be if you actually didn't have comic books? I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, everybody's excited about all these comic-related movies and television shows and cartoon programs and all that. And the comic-related culture, which is just... I don't know. From when I was a young kid, you know, and in, in growing up in the ni- 80s and 90s, like, to see somebody else wearing a comic book t-shirt back in the day, you were like, oh my god! Like, that guy has to be instantly my friend! Because, like, nobody wears this stuff except for our little group. But now our little group has gotten to be so big. There's so many people that are into comic book culture, whether they know it or not. Those folks that are on the fringes, those folks that are saying, hey, I love the comic book movies, but I think some of these comic books, they're impenetrable. Like, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to what to read. We'll give you things that you can read. You can go to your local comic book shop and pick up this week. Now, to make a liar out of my cousin immediately, for the first uh, <laughs> segment on today's program, we're actually going to be talking about a comic book-related property. Uh, we're going to be covering a book on today's program the Vision series by Tom King. It was released a couple years ago. But the reason why we're mainly doing it is because in the upcoming days, we've actually finally got the premiere of WandaVision, the first of the Marvel cinematic television programs that will be uh, debuting on Disney+. Plus. These uh, were supposed to come out, I think, as early as last year, uh, if everything had gone the way that it was supposed to, I think Falcon Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier program was supposed to be the first one. But uh, they've now shuffled the cards a little bit, and WandaVision kicks off uh, this series of programs. Is this you, or well, before you get going too far, but I just want to interrupt because that's what I like doing. It's, uh, it's important to note that this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe TV shows. So this is a whole different bag than a lot of the Marvel shows you've experienced before. Yeah. So if you watch shows on Freeform or the Netflix shows like the excellent Daredevil show or Jessica Jones, uh, or even like ABC's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., those were all done under a different umbrella. And sure, they're like, yeah, it's all connected. It all counts. Uh, not really. Mm. And so now... The people that make the movies have been given free reign to make the shows, and so they're basically making, you know, six-hour movies, you know, and breaking them up into installments for you. Yeah, and so for those folks that that follow the MCU, really, WandaVision will be the start of Phase Four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it stars uh, Elizabeth Olsen as the Scarlet Witch, Wanda Maximoff. No longer speaking with a Russian accent. That's gone. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of dumped it out throughout. So let's get the brass tacks here. She's, um, but also, um, of course, uh, Paul. Uh, Bentony? Be- Bentony is how Bentony. I say it. Bentony. 
Yes, as the Vision, uh, one of my all-time favorite comic book characters. And uh, as some people might remember from Infinity War, uh, he died. He died and he did not come back in Endgame. So the fact that the Vision is in this series already should be making you uh, scratch your forehead a little bit and say, well, how is he allowed to be in here? I thought he died. And I'm glad Uh, you brought that point up because I forgot because i don't give a crap about the vision (laughs) that'll come up later carry on well in any case uh the reason why they've said that this uh this is going to be starting off phase four is primarily because the prevailing theory about this series is that it's going to shake up the multiverse at marvel uh you may have heard that there's rumors out there that uh spider-man the new one with tom holland will be a crossover with folks from other parts of the spider-man franchise toby mcguire's coming back andrew garfield's coming back alfred molina's coming back emma stone is coming back as gwen stacy and kirsten dunce and all the folks from all the other spider-man movies and the notion is that they're coming back because again this is going to be touching upon the fact that comic books exist in multiverses. They do. They have alternate realities in which the same comic book character can exist in different forms in different realities. This is a primary way of how we get things like um, the What If series that is so popular at Marvel. It's because from about the mid-70s when Alan Moore was like, yep, I'm going to put this in a Captain Britain book, there's the idea of multiverses at Marvel. Yeah, I'm all for it. Uh, I like the idea, you know, I mean, it's just a it's a storytelling trope. It's it, it allows you to expand outside of uh, maybe your universe's comfort zone. It brings in that level of the unknown and danger and risk. And it also helps writers who have written themselves into corners get out of those corners very easily. Uh, watching the latest uh, series of the Star Trek Discovery, and that has a big element of the mirror universe with the Terran Empire, and that plays a big part of this. And uh, all the goatees. Yes, the goatees. You know you're evil if you have a goatee. (laughs) And it's probably getting to more of the comic-centric Wanda, who is, you know, a hot mess of a mental character. (laughs) It's true. So that's what she should be, and, you know, Turns out to be this kind of badass with this power set that kind of just morphs and evolves as the writers need it to. Uh, But with the exception of maybe the Age of Ultron movie, you don't really ever see her dealing with sort of the craziness that is her head. That's what makes her an interesting comic book character. It's the craziness in her head that makes this super badass power set dangerous. And I, I just wanted to chime in, too. One of the things about the multiverses, and this goes back in comic books, like, all the way back to the, the two Flashes. You know, you're, that amazing cover with uh, Jay Garrick and Barry Allen racing. This is a way to reset. This is a way to, to do those soft reboots. And especially when you're dealing with things like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's been around for a decade a lot of those actors have aged out of those roles. A lot of those people, you know, it's time for a soft reset. And so, okay, let's play with the multiverse. Marvel I and DC both going at it at the same time. We'll see who does it better. 
Yeah, I, I agree also that it's, it's a way for Marvel to kind of take, uh, well, well, Disney, I guess, to take some shortcuts with their Marvel Cinematic Universe in incorporating some of the past movies that used to belong to Fox. I mean, if you want to bring in the X-Men, if you want to bring in the Fantastic Four, if you want to make those movies quote-unquote count, then adding the multiverse dimension basically allows you to do that because you can just simply say, yeah, that may have been the version of the Fantastic Four in this other place, but now we've got this other Fantastic Four, but those movies still count because they happened in one of the other multiverses. But to J.A.'s point, one of the most interesting parts of the Scarlet Witch has always been the fact that she's batshit crazy. And so (laughs) ultimately, at the end of the day, I think it really is kind of like a House of M kind of moment in which she's going to kind of shuffle the cards a little bit and allow some creativity to take hold within the MCU and some different ideas to come up without feeling so hedge pinned in to this long-standing decades continuity. But in any case, we're not here to talk about WandaVision. We're here to talk about The Vision by Tom King. And we'll be right back with more of The Last Comic Shop right after these messages. So stay tuned. It was the three-legged dog of comics. It was bad. These two gentlemen met in jail. And then when they got out, they started publishing. It should have been mobsters instead of doing what they do in comics. Management there was questionable at times. Some of it has to do with people who go to jail. We are sinners. We have corrupted the youth. Stuff that should never have been sold to kids. And then there was Charlton. I couldn't quite tell what they were doing. Charlton was just a hodgepodge of weird titles. What is this? Who am I dealing with? John threw nickels around like they were manhole covers. C.A. T-A-P. They were cheap. Hell yes, they're cheap. They were a special kind of special is what they were. Pretty was horrible. You could smell them beginning to decay even as they were rolling off the press. At one point, they actually did have to move the comics operation into a bowling alley. It's something out of a sitcom. We want to publish comic books in the worst way, and they did. It's been called the street fighting cousin of Marvel and DC. Maybe you've heard of them. Probably not. But you do know the industry legends that called it home. This is Charlton Comics. Follow at charltonmovie.com. Oh, it's going to suck. All right, and we are back with more of The Last Comic Shop. And on today's program, we're going to be reviewing, I got to say, it's one of my favorite books of the last 10 years, I've got to say. Not only because it's got one of my favorite characters in all of comic books, uh, in The Vision, uh, but just because when I think of prestige series, series that have an outside of continuity, they they put them out in single issues, then they put them in the the graphic trade, and then you get the definitive edition and whatever. I, I just can't get enough of it. It is Tom King's vision. And although I've said Tom King's vision so many times so far, Chad, who did Tom King's vision? Tom King is not an island unto himself. So Tom King, this originally, as you've said, was a 12-issue series. Tom King wrote it. You had Gabriel Hernandez Walta uh, handling the the lion's share of the art chores with Michael Walsh stepping in for issue number seven. You had Jordi Belair on colors, Clayton Cowles on letters, and really, it really was Tom King's second best series next to Mr. Miracle, Mr. Miracle number one. No, 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 no. You don't get Mr. Miracle unless he has the vision. I I will fight you to the end of time on that, sir. But you didn't mention uh, one of the best parts about this book is the fantastic Mike Del Mundo covers. Like, those covers are just 
excellent. I love Mike Del Mundo as an artist. I've loved him ever since he put out Weird World in the Secret Wars series. Mike Del Mundo is probably in my top 10 recent favorite artists uh, uh you know in the last like 25 years like i really love mike del mundo's stuff and so his covers are just terrific whether it's uh the vision family playing uh twister on one of them as like a christmas i don't know if it's a christmas card or whatever but it's great there's the one of the their dog sparky collecting catching a, a frisbee in the air oh just, yeah and they, they look so normal, like the mailbox one. I, I didn't recognize the mailbox was the floating mailbox. It's clearly there on the cover, and it's really freaky when you think about it, but it looks so normal. You just yeah. see the place underneath. I mean, my, my personal favorite is the family tree cover. I Till the end of time, the idea of the family tree cover, where you have uh, Henry Pym right at the top, and then it goes down to Ultron and Victor and the Vision, and then you have Wonder Man and even the Grim Reaper and Scarlet Witch and Wiccan. It's just gorgeous, and I'm glad that they use that. You can get this in trade uh, and they call it the definitive edition. I, but they use that as the cover. And I just think that is the most interesting way to visually interpret what you're doing with this particular series that could be done. So I, I kudos to whoever said, yeah, let's do a family tree cover. That, that sounds neat. Anyways... Here is your 10 cents synopsis for The Vision by Tom King. Basically, The Vision uh, decides to settle down in this series. Uh, after years of being a synthesoid member of the Avengers, he's gotten a cushy job basically in Washington, D.C., and uh, he decides to settle down in the suburbs and make himself a robot family. Uh, a wife named Virginia, a son named uh, Vin, and a daughter named Viv. And eventually a dog named Sparky. And uh, ultimately, uh, his dream of having that idyllic suburban life uh, comes crashing down around him. Basically due to the efforts of his wife, uh, who um, just starts having a lot of human-like foibles. Like uh, uh, she ends up killing the, the, the Grim Reaper and then tries to cover that up and then tries to cover up killing up some some other guy or putting him into a coma and and then they have to lie to the police and and they have to cover the bodies and it's it's just weird by the end of the book the vision trying to kill the rest of the Avengers because his son died and uh, his wife takes the fall for him vision gets lonely makes a family messes up stuff goes wrong people die the end <laughs> There you go. Uh, it touches upon so many things, like this notion of, of, of being the outsider and coming into a, an environment where, you know, you're seen as the outsider to kind of just the, the notion of being the minority. The vision comes into this white, yuppie, suburban environment and people are like, well, we're bringing him brownies or whatever, but do even robots eat? It's just so interesting for me, but... I've done a lot of talking. I want to start off with Chad Smith as to what he thought of the vision. Now, this is not the first time that you've read it. You read it several years ago, back when it first came out, right, Chad? Oh, yeah. And so I, I've i read this in issues. It's also one of those books that I picked up the trades, and I regret I picked up the initial trades, and they didn't hold out for the definitive edition that has it all in one. But yeah, this is an experience for sure. 
And with Tom King, I, I think he's an interesting writer. I know there are lots of folks out there that uh, his name can be a little bit divisive with what he's trying to do. But uh, I honestly thought this experience was actually better in the issues than it was in the in the two trades, simply because I had the letter columns and all that stuff that you sort of miss out on. I don't know if they made the cut in the, the definitive editions. But uh, this story is all about not fitting in. And so the vision... He wants to fit in. He has that desire to fit in. He wants that element of normalcy. And then, you know, he builds his family, and his wife makes a poor decision. And it's funny because the vision is constantly kind of like chiding her along the way. Like, no, this is why people do things. This is why people say something is, you know, we don't say it's nice. We say it's sweet or something. Like, he's constantly doing that. But Viv... Or, yeah, Virginia, on the other hand, she keeps making these bad decisions, then doubling down and making more bad decisions. And before you know it, she has killed a couple of people. She has destroyed the cookie pan that the neighbors brought over. How cool was that scene when the neighbors come over to the house and the house is just a wreck? Like, totally, just everything is broken and destroyed. And she pulls out this broken cookie sheet. She's like, oh, here, I wanted to give this back to you. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We're redecorating. Are you putting in a pool? (laughs) Yes, we're putting in a pool. It was so great to watch these, you know, these synthesoids try to fit in and try to be human. And sort of like, they have this idea that they want to achieve. And... They're achieving it by screwing up. Yeah, I was... Uh, there were some threads that they could have gone into in a lot more detail. I mean, the obvious sort of start off, I really like the the issue with Vision and Scarlet Witch. Uh, yes. Issue 7. To me, that was the linchpin of the whole series, and they didn't pull on that thread long enough because the whole reason the wife was going nutso, she had the brainwaves of Scarlet Witch in her. And I thought that that could have been explored a lot more. And then the whole idea that Vision's family creation that he made ended up killing all these people, all these innocent people, that was never addressed. Vision never had to pay for the deaths of all these people that were, you know, he had blood on his hands from, I think, issue two. You've got Grim Reapers, you've got crappy neighbors, you've got... Uh, what do you call it? I mean, the neighbors. The neighbors who, who brought... You bring cookies over, and then you die a horrible death because your house is is forehead raised. Yeah, but you've been spouting racist stuff off right at the doors. The neighbors are ready to open up. <laughs> that, that's, that's an interesting take on karma for you. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I had issues like the kid being killed. I understand why they did it to help with Viv's sort of progression, but at the same time, I just also felt there wasn't enough weight put on it. Really? There wasn't yeah. enough weight with the fact that his son dies, and then he decides he's going to just go kill the, all the Avengers. And then his... Do- his no, no, his- no, 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 not the Vision. I mean, CK, the human. Oh, okay, yeah. You're right. I mean, I, that the, the, the kid just kind of gets shot just as kind of uh, collateral damage from Queen. There was a lot of collateral damage throughout the issues to get to that sort of core thing of the Vision going crazy to protect his family. But, you know, okay, because he's the Vision and he has all these powers. What about everybody else whose sons died and and whatnot? So, I don't know. Yeah, but he was aggressive. He had ulterior motives. 
Look, one thing that I know about you, J.A., is you've always enjoyed uh, Philip K. Dick's uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And one of the major points of that particular book, what's the line between being human and being, I guess, a robot? In this book, like, basically, Tom King tries to answer the question of, like, the Vision has been talking all this time uh, about, uh, you know, be, being kind of separate, uh, being a synthesoid, being an android. But, you know, as you get to in issue 11 and one of the more powerful moments of this book, which, I mean, this, this entire series is filled with them. But when uh, Scarlet Witch comes up to him and says, you know what, Vision, they don't get us. We're, we're different from them. We're always different. And he's like, no, 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 no. You never got me. I never wanted to be different. I wanted to be normal. I wanted to be like everybody else. Like, this is a guy that just wanted to be human. He wanted to have a wife. He wanted to have kids. He wanted to settle down in the suburbs. He wanted people to leave him alone and just let him be a normal person. So my question to you, J.A., is as somebody that enjoys good sci-fi like that, uh, did you, you know, appreciate at least Tom King taking a stab at this notion, the, the definition of being human? I thought it was forced. I guess it's a bit of a trope lined up on top of trope. There's the whole the superhero doesn't want to be the superhero anymore and just wants to live the normal life. But, you know, you can't escape from the fact that you're a superhero. And then you've got on top of that, you've got the robot who wants to be a human. What I found most unbelievable about the whole thing was fighting the Avengers and trying to avenge the death of his son by killing his brother, essentially. But what I felt was false about that was that you're taking everything that Vision has ever stood for throughout his entire career life within Marvel and just saying, you know, none of that matters. Once his son died, he's going to go kill somebody. Okay. Can I, can I butt in here? I think this exposes where you guys have gone wrong by assuming the issue with Wanda is the pivotal issue in the series. Because it's not. I mean, that's fun, and you get the weird family dinner with uh, the guy from the High Evolutionary and Petro. Like, like, you get all that weird stuff, and that's cool, and you get to see Wanda, and she's crazy, and that's cool, and you get to see the weird convoluted machinations of their relationship with, you know, Wonder Man and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff is fun. But the real secret to the sauce is actually in issue number six. And it's, uh, I've got a page here. It's page 20. This is after they introduced the dog, right? And so I'm going to read some prose here. This was Vision's choice. The Reaper had come and Vision had failed. He would continue to fail. Should he then continue? And then the dog walks in and makes his introduction to Viv and you know it's real sweet the answer for Vision was yes he would continue he would fix what had been broken he would hide what he could not fix he would make his family the easy explanation of his answer would be that he who longed to be human recognized that this was the human decision that every day all men and women make the same choice to go on even though they cannot possibly go on in truth however this was not his reasoning in the end, Vision simply came to understand that he could not choose between family and practicality. Indeed, considering the situation, it was clear. He had no choice at all. And that's what it is, mother <laughs> Those choices we make that don't make sense, that we make anyway, because we have to go on, 
he's trying to be normal. He's not normal. He's never going to be normal. Guess what, kids? You're not going to be normal. Guess what else? That's okay. You have to embrace that. This is what happens as a result of you trying to shoehorn things in and force it. And he puts himself in those predicaments. And this synthesoid ends up with these very human problems that don't make sense. It's the conundrum of humanity. It's We don't make sense. We never will. It's okay. And, and you're right that there, there are other parts in this particular series that kind of echo those particular sentiments. There's the one idea of the uh, P versus NP, where you have problem, yeah. where you Same like basically if you ask uh, a computer to... Uh, to come up with a solution to a problem, it'll take a shortcut. That's why certain, you know, maybe a math equation or something is easy for a computer to figure out because it takes a shortcut and it knows the answer. But if you ask it like something like, how do I live my life? Well, it's going to go through the infinite combinations of how to live one's life. And it'll take them, you know, a long, long time to come up with an answer. Eventually, it, I guess, will. But um, it just doesn't have the shortcut to get to very easily. And so... It's the same thing here. Vision has decided that he doesn't want to be the computer. He doesn't want to be figuring out things in just terms of the shortcut. He wants to figure out things the long way. And unfortunately, the long way is hard. Again, it's really weird for me as a longtime fan of the Vision. So I, I know this is one of, one of the things that Tom King does. Tom King likes to play with certain parts of continuity that matter to him and other parts. He just goes, meh, I just chucked that out the window for the sake of this uh, series. He kind of sort of did that with Mr. Miracle, uh, but they work because again, these are prestigious and, and he's just telling his story. I mean, you, you don't get this based on the, the vision from the seventies with the wonder man brain patterns, which is why again, Issue 7 means so much. That's why I think it's the most pivotal series because you have to understand the Vision's thought process through the years, how he went to becoming the White Vision in the, in the yeah. 90s where he lost all of his humanity. And they Vision, the white one with the feet who was really lame. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't he, care about the Vision. Keep going. People don't understand that the reason why we have White Vision is because he decided back in the 80s in a story called Ultimate Vision that he wanted to basically fix the planet and so he took over all of the computers and tried to run them them himself after he was stopped the government thought he was a threat and basically dismantled him and then they rebuilt him as white vision and that's why he doesn't have the brain patterns anymore and so what people don't understand is visions tried to do these things before like he's tried to like fix things or tried to live a normal life or make things better and he's failed before at the same point. Uh, so it, it is very human for him to go back to just, again, repeating the same mistakes he's made in the past. But I was going to say, uh, also, the white vision was an homage to how they originally were going to make the vision, but then couldn't because he wouldn't show up on the coloring of comic books at the time. So originally, when vision was uh, conceived at Marvel, they wanted it all white. But uh, with the limitations of four-color printing, they had to make him a color, so they made him all red. I did not know and that. And then his costume evolved from there. So I think when they pulled to make the comic book character all white, they did it as well as sort of an homage to this was the original concept design of the character. Nothing to do with the, the myth of the story, but I, I thought that was a nice little... Uh, yeah, no, it was. I, 
issue seven is kind of like a, a turning point in this series because the first six issues are all about pretty much Virginia and like Virginia's failings as a person and leading up to the fact that Vision has to adopt this mentality of like, well, I'm going to protect my family at all costs. I guess that's what I'm going to do. And then the second half of the series after issue seven is all about they introduce Victor into the series, his brother. You know, he's spying on the, the, the you know, the Vision family and ends up killing the son accidentally. And he's a drug addict? Yeah, he's yeah. a junkie. He's a vibranium junkie. He wants to be like his older brother in the Vision, yet he doesn't want to end up like his father, the Ultron, and trying to destroy the Avengers like he's foreseen in the future there's a lot of future stuff going on here but like uh, for me the second half of the series is is much more interesting uh, from the Scarlet Witch issue on I think the series really does pick up and kind of starts I don't know rolling downhill the eventual death of uh, Virginia in the last issue yeah you don't get all that with that issue issue 7 has the best cover too one of the <laughs> best covers in all of comic books the, the the picture of vision on the front and you have these three scarlet witches from the different eras of scarlet witch all like putting her her hand inside of him like like that she owns him because she does she does he never got over her this is such a human thing. This was the girl that he never got over. So much so that he made a wife that was oh, yeah. pretty much the Scarlet Witch. Well, no, this whole book yes. is the vision becoming human by becoming the worst. Mm. He's just the yes. worst. Agree, <laughs> so, agree. That's I, Maybe that's why I didn't like it. Also, I felt there was a big dichotomy sort of between the early issues where vision is sort of like this kind of put upon character and, you know, Stuff is starting to spiral out of control for him. And then the ending, he's like Liam Neeson. He has a very specialized skill set. He's going to kill anyone who messes with his family. That's true. That's true. As a longtime fan of the Vision, the fact that he could take down all of the Avengers, I guess he has that that power set, but nah, they've never really said that. that. I didn't buy that. I'm like, come on, that's just... And his biggest failing is the fact that he doesn't learn. Darn it, he's part robot. He should learn. Yeah, last page, he's starting all over again. He's the worst of humanity. He's the absolute worst. But in dichotomy with J.A., I believe humanity's the worst, so I'm okay with it. I really enjoy the series. <laughs> well, you bring up an interesting point, uh, Chad, because I remember when we first originally read this book, when it was coming out in single issues, it kind of blew our mind a little bit because you were thinking to yourself, how could anybody really do a 12-issue series with a vision and actually people, I guess, care? You know yes, what I mean? Absolutely. And so, but I remember both of us were saying like, oh my gosh, they are they are recreating the vision as some sort of Shakespearean tragedy. This is going to end up badly for him because he has hubris Be- and... Because he is. Yes. Let's keep it like, Shakespearean there. He is some of the worst aspects of humanity. Like, he's condescending. You know, I mean, I don't know how many times in the series you have to hear him say, I saved the world 37 times. When was the last time you heard Captain America say, I've saved the world 37 times? He's very proud of this, and rightfully so. But you don't say that as a superhero. You don't. You don't say it. You're like the Sheldon of superheroes. You just don't say it. So it's very weird that he's he's such a bad person, but I love this <laughs> book so much. He's so bad at being a person. 
I mean, isn't that good drama? Isn't that a key part of a Shakespearean tragedy that, like, legitimately that the, the, the main character has to have flaws so... Uh, so pronounced that ultimately, at the end of the day, you can see their downfall from a mile away. Like I go back, and I don't do this a lot with comic books, but with, with the Tom King books, his, his I, I really like his words. There's a, a page here at the end after Virginia has passed on, and you know, Viv is talking to the Scarlet Witch, and it's like Virginia did the right thing, or she did the wrong thing, or she did what everybody does. She, she saved what she could, and when she was done, she was done. And it's like every time I go to that stuff, I'm like, okay, this is this is what life is. We try to do what we can, and then when it's when our time is up, it's up, and it's somebody else's turn to do what they can. And sometimes we keep making these same cycle of mistakes, and sometimes we can break that cycle. Uh, based on this book, I don't see Vision breaking that cycle anytime soon. Maybe Viv. There's hope for Viv. Who knows? Who's? Yeah. Uh, so I was going through and tallying up the body count, <laughs> and. The boyfriend killed by the dad trying to shoot Virginia. We've got the Grim Reaper killed by Virginia. Nora and George killed by Vin. Those are just jerk bags. Vin himself. You got the junkie. Drugs are bad, okay? Right, right. We've got Victor killed by Virginia. We've got Virginia. Actually, hang on. Virginia does a lot of killing. She killed the Grim Reaper. She killed Victor. She killed herself. And then you could say that her actions caused the dogs, the poor dog Zeke, to die. So hold on, wait, wait, wait. Vision's the guy that cut out the dog's brains and put him in a new dog. That's really weird. <laughs> Nobody yeah. has a about that. And by the way, uh, probably the creepiest picture in the entire series when like Vision comes in the backyard and the dog's like charbroiled and he's like after he bites like the Grim Reaper's arm and he just like gets electrocuted and he's half burnt. I'm like, oh, that that is not a pleasant picture. That is brutal. Charbroiled dog. Like I don't want to see this. Thank goodness you couldn't smell it. Um, I, I've praised the words a lot. The art in this book is fantastic. Uh, Gabriel Walter does such a great job with the emotions, and like you can see when Vision is just staring straight ahead and has that look that everyone's had in a meeting where it's like, no, no, you're the worst. I, I love that. I love the family dynamics. I love the false smiles when they open the door. Uh, Gabriel Walta, as, as great as Tom King is, Walta definitely pulls his weight as well. Yeah, that, the, the art is tremendous in this book. And you know what? I think we're going to talk about that a little more in our grade rating section coming up right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned to more of The Last Comic Shop right after these messages. Are there real ghosts in Miss Pac-Man? Are satanic secrets hidden in your Excel spreadsheet? Did Pokemon cause a spike in suicides in Japan? Hello gamers, I'm Tim Gibson, host of the Cabinet Podcast. I look at the strange occurrences behind your favorite video games. A new weird creepy story drops every two weeks on Wednesdays. That's the Cabinet Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and other major podcast platforms. We're back with more of the last comic shop. Woo! Oh wait, wrong show. <laughs> it's a, it's called a throwback now. Anyways, we are back with our gradings, ratings, whatever you want to call it on this particular program where we assign worth 
to a particular comic book. And uh, as always, we like to do this on a one out of four scale. But not as always, we like to do that scale in uh, a different way each week. So, J.A., what are we rating this book this week? Okay, it is one out of four consumed Everbloom petals. <laughs> Ooh, you can see the little, future! <laughs> yes, only if you've consumed one that's been consumed. And uh, so we'll start off with uh, Chad Smith, as always. So, Chad, what are you rating the vision this week in terms of Everbloom petals? I'm not going to belabor this. Four out of four. The art is great. The story is great. It's one of those things that makes you question the world around you. The little bits of satire are awesome. I I, I love it. I, I would recommend for those adult readers out there that are looking for something a little bit different. Absolutely. Now, But you do say that Mr. Miracle is better? Oh, yeah. I, it might be for me, possibly, the themes are a little bit stronger or make more connection for me with Mr. Miracle. Um, and if it's possible, I like the Mitch Gerard's art just slightly more. But there's there's no fault to be found with the vision. Like, I'm not going to dig it for being not as good as that other thing that's even better. Whatever. My recommendation is all right. Don't worry about it. We'll get to that. All right. So, uh, J.A., what's your uh, rating for the vision this week? Yeah, so uh, I also really like the art and storytelling was really well done. So that's a positive for it, I guess. Uh, as I said, I wasn't a big fan of the story arc. I thought some of the stuff got glossed over. Other bits didn't need to be done. I, and I felt that it the, the central conceit of it, they never dealt with how, you know, the vision handled all this, I felt. So... I'm not going to be able to see the future because I'm only consuming the Everbloom pedal once. Wow, that's crazy. I could not disagree more. Obviously, I'm going to give this a four out of four. This was my pick, by the way, and I really wanted to read the, the vision again. If, if nothing else, just to read issue seven one more time. I have read issue seven like at least... 10 to 15 times now. Issue 7 is by far one of the best individual single issues I've read in probably the last 25 years. I could easily say that. It was just, again, taking everything that I love about two of my favorite characters in Scarlet Witch and the Vision and kind of can basically condensing it down into one issue, their entire story. This notion of her calling him the walking toaster. And it oh, even has a joke. Oh, it has your joke. It, it does. For years and years and years, I told this joke about the talking muffin, and it ends with, holy shit, a talking muffin. And uh, it's the same joke. It's the talking toasters, and it's like, holy crap, there's a talking toaster next to me. But and how awesome was it the Vision recycles that joke with both girlfriends? That's so much material. He, he basically took brain patterns and said, no, 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 I'm just building Scarlet Witch because she wants nothing to do with me. Which, by the way, if you read this book, Scarlet Witch is totally still into the Vision. Just saying that, shipping it forever, Scarlet Witch Vision, it's the wonderful, wonderful Marvel relationships that never should go away they, they they belong together those two lovebirds and so i'm so happy to see some of those you know in the last issue issue 12 where he, she says that uh, that stubborn handsome father of yours uh you can tell that they've still got a spark between them which is good for comic books now i was gonna ask based off of jay's point he does bring up some valid points after the end of this story do you really still look at vision as a hero if this is in continuity 
and you see the stuff he's doing, like, you've seen behind the curtain, and you see how messed up he really is. Like, do you still consider a vision a hero, or is he somebody that's just trying too hard to fit in? I would consider him actually more of a hero now. Because uh, I can, I like my heroes to have a little bit of uh, um, vulnerability to them. A little bit, uh, they're, they're they are fallible. That's a main reason why I'm they not can, a huge fan of Superman. I lose like, their lose their marbles and try to murder their entire superhero group just so that they can avenge somebody. As the, opposed to letting again, the wheels of justice it, it, it's standing a, for right. So it, it, it was, you're, it was saying, you're, you're, you're saying vision vision can become the ultimate vigilante. I'm He's saying got, uh, that vision is a much more interesting character now, thanks to the vision series. I mean, you're talking about somebody that was again on the peripheral. He's one uh, hot minute from going ape crazy. Yeah, you think the Avengers would address this before we have another Wanda Maximoff situation? And no, I, I, I'm serious. He was he was always a very popular character on on the Avengers, but he he's kind of lost favor in the last twenty years. Um, you you went from a character that was basically if you had the Avengers book in the seventies, he was the guy that had the corner picture. Like the corner picture is important. Like to have <laughs> the, in the seventies, it was the Vision on the Avengers comic book. And so, like, he was a very, very popular character. 80s, not so much. 90s, not so much. 2000s, not so much. They even killed him in Avengers um, 500. Yeah, Bendis. Yeah. They were like, yeah, screw him. Blew him up. Blow Scarlet Witch up. I don't care about these characters. So it's nice that Tom King was able to say, this is a really, really interesting character that you can tell really good stories with. Being an outsider among, you know, a society that you're really trying so desperately to kind of uh, fit in with. And I think that's universal. And I think that, again, Vision's struggles to be human and to fit in with a society in which he is honestly viewed as an outsider. It's something that we can all address. It's something we can all embrace. It's all something that we, we all have felt at some point in our lives. So I think this is universal. And I think it makes him a better hero. Period. Is anybody going to fight with me? Yes, I can see that. I can also think that they left some things on the table. I mean... What they missed was, I mean, Vision's rationality for a lot of this stuff smacks almost exactly like Ultron. So that yeah. angle was totally not brought up at all much or, or, or glossed over, if you want to be uh, nice about it, I would say. <laughs> I would say that they, they, they didn't even address it at all. I mean, that, that, that could probably be a whole series on itself. So you've got this compromised Vision. See if it... <laughs> A lot of, sort of what he like believes. It. Oh, thank you. <laughs> a lot of what he's his, you know, with his family, what he believes in, his rationality is not that different from Ultron's rationality for killing humanity. The shine is definitely off the synthesoid for me, but uh, I can appreciate your argument as well, Andy. Where the flaws make him even more human. Right does not fall far from the tree and i think that's one thing that was brought up that we didn't touch upon in any sort of our initial thoughts is like the inevitability of things how folks fight against the inevitability of things like the people i hate to say it but there's like this notion that like everything is kind of pre-programmed it's pre-thought out that there's fate that steps in nature versus nurture as much as people like victor want to fight against the fact that they eventually they, they will become bad they fight so hard against it that they become bad vision's the same way he fights so hard to be normal that he's not normal 
It's the things that you can't have that you desperately want, and you end up sabotaging your own efforts as a result of it. It's just it's just tremendous stuff. I can't yeah. can't recommend this enough. In any case, it is now time for recommendations. It is now time for recommendations on our program where we give you other books other than Tom King's Vision that you can go out to your local comic book shop and pick up today. Now, as we do on this show, we always give you one book that is similar, one book that is current, and one book out of left field. All right, so on today's program, we're gonna get, we, we've got Chad. He's going to give us our similar pick. So, Chad, what is our similar pick for this week? So, we have already alluded to this. I'm going to go with Mr. Miracle by Tom King and Mitch Gerard's. Um, I, I love this book. It, it starts off with a very depressed Mr. Miracle. And he's, he's got some sort of PTSD going on, which we never got into the Tom King backstory, which is interesting. It's worth Googling. He used to work for the CIA and did some pretty covert stuff. But anyway, so in this book, it starts from a very low point. But as opposed to the vision, which is all about the vision trying to fit in and finding humanity by screwing up. In Mr. Miracle, it's all about this guy who's been screwing up, who finds his humanity... By looking inward and letting those people in his life that he cares about carry him through. Um, and so it's a really beautiful story. It's also another 12-issue maxi-series uh, that picks what continuity it wants and leaves other continuity aside. But I, I, I genuinely love it. I think Mr. Miracle, as good as the vision is, I think Mr. Miracle is probably one of the best books I've read in the last... 20 years i think it belongs up there with your dark knight returns and your watchmen and up in that upper echelon it is that good and i don't say that lightly absolutely and he's also got a similar color scheme to the vision yes also <laughs> it's all, greens. all reds and greens and yellows so yep. for my pick it, this week it's uh, i've got the current pick and uh, i'm gonna go with uh jason aaron and rm guerra's a uh, sequel to the original Goddamned series. Uh, it's called The Goddamned, I guess, 2, if you want to call it. It's it's called The Virgin Brides. And uh, for those people that, uh, that might not know about this particular series, it's, a, it's an image series. And uh, it is for p- folks that have basically ironclad stomachs. Because honestly, if you're any sort of good, I hate to say it, Christian boy like I was... Some of the stuff that happens in these particular series is in the goddamn, it's hard to stomach at times. Uh, It almost can seem almost blasphemous. Uh, Because, simply put, the first goddamn series was all about, you know, Adam's fallen son, uh, Cain, and how he's immortal and walking the earth, and the time before the flood, and Noah is pretty much a slave master that's conquered all these people to build his his glorious ark or whatever. And it's, again, a really dark take on some of those Old Testament stories. And The Virgin Brides just continues uh, that particular uh, notion with the idea of a throwaway line in the Bible about giants among men and how angels are basically... Uh, procreating with human women you know the most interesting part about that goddamn book is the fact that um some sometimes uh, religious and political institutions can kind of brainwash uh, particular individuals 
the, again, that cult mentality where even though terrible things are happening to these, these characters in this book, they're going about it as if it's the part of normal society. They're like, yep, we're just going to be, you know, uh, sold off to angels to, to create demon babies. Like, except for these two young girls that just like, no, nah, we're bucking the system. This is not right. Just some weird, interesting stuff, but the artwork is tremendous. And if you can get, again, past how just icky it can sometimes feel, it is just really thought-provoking in terms of a of, of comic book. It really expands your mind about what you can do with the comic medium and the kind of stories that you can tell with comics. So if you're up for it, Check out both the original volume of the Goddamn It Ran for five issues, or the more ver- the more recent issues of the the Goddamned The Virgin Brides. I, I can't recommend these books enough if you're somebody that wants to take a look at something different. Anyways, what's out of left field, JA? So out of left field this week, we've got the Savage Sword of Conan, Wizards of the Black Circle. This was a story arc that ran from Savage Sword of Conan number 16 through issue 19 back in the 70s with the script by Roy Thomas, art by John Bishima and Alfredo Alcala, you know, the greats of the Conan series uh, adapted from an original story by Robert E. Howard. So you've got, you know, you're hitting all, all the great marks. Uh, this has been collected in in several different trades, but it's also out in the wonderful Savage Sword of Conan Omnibus 2. They've got three now. I think Omnibus 3 just came out. Savage Sword was the magazine version of uh, Conan that Marvel was putting out. So these were slightly larger than a comic book size, and they were black and white, but they had these beautiful, beautiful painted covers and some really striking black and white artwork. Uh, Wizards of the Black Circle is renowned as being one of the greatest Robert E. Howard stories, Conan stories, and this is just a really wonderful representation. And if you get it in the omnibus the way I've read it, the omnibus is nice that it combines everything from those issues together. So if you get it in trade, you're going to just get the the straight story, and that's wonderful. But if you get the omnibus or you find the original issues, you're going to get the entire magazine as put out so you get the letters you get all the extra stuff they've packed into the magazine so i highly recommend picking up the omnibus if you can or the original magazines if you can find them at your local comic book stop and if not you can always find it in trade or on comiXology Uh, all right and that was our recommendations for this week and i hope that you enjoyed the last comic shop and uh make sure that you rate review and subscribe to our podcast on any of those fantastic podcasting platforms so that you never miss an episode in future as well as follow us on instagram and twitter at last comic shop so that you never miss any of our comic book musings plus be on the lookout for a bonus episode this week as our first uh, week that we're putting out our particular podcast we're going to have a bonus episode for you we're going to be reviewing the wonder woman 84 comic book movie Uh, that you can see on HBO Max, uh, available right now. So uh, if you have that streaming service and have watched that terrific movie or seen it, I guess, in the theaters, although most theaters are closed. Anyways, uh, make sure that you tune in later this week for that special podcast. 
And while we may be the last comic shop, chances are good you still have comic shops in your area. So if you're unawares, head to the comic shop locator at www.comicshoplocator.com. You can find something near you. There are a ton of great places out there. We really need uh, folks to go out there and support those things so that we can still have comic shops to find all this cool stuff. And uh, until next week, I'm Andy Larson, and I was joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. Everybody out there, stay safe, stay sheltered, and above all, make sure that your vision of the future includes really good comics, because ours definitely will. The conflicted vision. I got no strings to hold me down. comic shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.